0: Hello. Thank you for joining again, uh, virtually. Let us begin with prayer. God of Revelation, mere flesh and blood cannot reveal a divine truth. Only your Spirit can give that gift. Be in my breath and voice, be in our ears and in our understanding, that through these words, your words may be known. We pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The scripture reading for today comes from Matthew sixteen, thirteen through 20. Now when Jesus came into the district of Seachy Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others say Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loosen on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The art of asking the right question is an important tool not just in one's self-discovery or as a means of becoming more aware of how others perceive you, but to ask the right question often leads to growth, not just within ourselves, but within others as well. Perhaps this is why questions are often a means by which we mark important moments and events in our life. Our lives are changed by questions like the question will you marry me or the question of where will I attend college or the question of why? Why did this happen to me? Matthew's Gospel begins with such a question. As a participant in a biblical drama, we might need to find ourselves or we might find ourselves a bit confused and wondering why is Jesus asking these things of his disciples? Why does he care? We have been told that sticks and stones can break our bones but words can never hurt us. Maybe we are wondering why does Jesus care what the crowd or his disciples think. Surely, Jesus is aware of what being said about him and his public ministry, yet there comes a point in any relationship where we begin to wonder what's going on here. How do we define this relationship? What we want to know is how are we perceived by the other person. God is deeply concerned all throughout the sacred scriptures on how creation perceives God. Why? Because God is so intimate with the created order that God acts in the material world by managing the material world down to the very atoms which make up the universe and life lived within it. God so delights in us that God longs for us to delight in God's self. Like Adam and Abraham, the nation of Israel, and all those who have gone before them, the question is asked of the disciples Who do you say that I am? From our relational God, this is certainly a valid question to be asked of us. Who do you say that I am? Jesus asked his disciples. And their response seemed to be dependent on the particular fraction of theological allegiance they are partial to. Some said John the Baptist. Others, Elijah, still others said Jeremiah or another prophet. And then Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And there seemed to be this air of just silence. Maybe because they thought they've already answered Jesus' question. By presenting the perceptions of other people as they too hold allegiance to one or more of these theological veins of thought. Who do you say I am? is the question that Jesus asks of all of us as well. Why are you here? Why are you here? is the deep, provoking question of our God. We too, and the disciples and the people of Jesus' day, especially as we look at Jesus through the lens of a particular thought, who do you say that I am? Republicans shout some, Democrats shout others, still others shout Libertarian. Meanwhile, churches view Jesus through a Lutheran, Calvinistic, Wesleyan, or a Billy Graham lens of theological thought, and the reality is more often than not, we project our particular culture, theological, denominational, and political allegiance on to Jesus Christ, our Lord. The reality is that we too might fall silent when Jesus turned the question on us from the people to think about us. How do we perceive Jesus Christ, our Lord? We too, like the other disciples, are relieved when Peter speaks up and says, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Peter's confession rings loudly in the silence of the other disciples. We can almost hear the beauty of his proclamation. Who do you say that I am? Peter seemed to be shouting, You are the living God. You are the one who shows us that God continues to speak and God continues to act in the world. You are the reminder that God does not ah, have to resurrect John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah. For you speak, you create, and you embody God to me you are the one who shows us that God continues to speak and act in the world. You are the reminder that God does not have to resurrect John the Baptist Elijah, or Jeremiah. You speak, you create, and you embody God to me, proclaims Peter. Interestingly, this is not the first time that Jesus is called the Son of God. He's even worshipped in the 14th chapter of Matthew, yet there's something special about this moment when Peter calls Jesus the Messiah, the anointed one, one who saves, and this is the first time in Saint Matthew's Gospel that Jesus acknowledges and accepts that title. This revelation, we are told by the very scriptures we read today, comes not from human reasoning, but it is revealed to Peter and to us by God. Through the Holy Spirit we are guarded, guided into living lives that are holy and pleasing to God as we confess that Jesus Christ is the anointed one, that Jesus Christ is the one who saves. To which Peter tells to which Jesus tells Peter on this rock I will build my church. Jesus was not responding to a particular strength or accomplishment of Peter, but to his testimony that Jesus is the one who saves. You see, the turning point or the high point of our story is not found in Peter's confession, which in its own right is flawed. But the beauty is that God in Jesus Christ chooses to build a God church. The embracing of the kingdom of God, the inbreaking of the kingdom of God, on the crap foundation of a flawed disciple. The church is not founded on Peter, nor is it founded on John the Baptist, Elijah, Lutheran, Catholic theology, or Wesleyan theology. The church is rooted in its confession of Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the Son of God. The church is rooted in the testimony of Peter and all the saints who have gone before us. So it is with us. The foundation on which Jesus built the church is our testimony. And we too must answer the question, who do you say that I am? We too must do the part, the hard work of working out our own salvation as we rely on God's grace to lead us through the storms and the calms of life. The church is not merely a means of achieving a goal like getting into heaven, nor is it a voluntary association of like-minded individuals. It is the testimony that even in our differences, God continues to show up. It is the testimony that even in our differences, God continues to show up to show up, move, and act among us and through us. You see, we too must answer the question, what is our testimony of Jesus? And if we are truly living into the way of Christ, then our testimony must be more relational than confrontational. It must be grounded in community that welcomes others to embrace and experience the loving community called the church, and our community must enable, guide, and equip persons to work out their own salvation, even in the midst of disagreements. Our testimony needs to be more than a one-time decision. It must be more than a set of rules or duties. Like Peter, it comes both in an instantaneous moment and over time as we are transformed by God's grace, God's gift, and God's divine revelation. Wesley believed that conversion or movement into holiness is both instantaneous and gradual. There is the aha moment, which Peter just had, And the moment we let Christ into the front door, that's the aha moment, but then there is a process by which we invite this friend deeper into the house. This is why the keys of the kingdom, the authority to bind and loosen is important. For relationality requires intentionality. Sometimes we will not agree with our brothers and sisters in Christ, but surely we can see, that as they work out their own salvation, they might also share the impact, the testimony of who Jesus is to them. Maybe, maybe, as we gradually move towards perfection, we may be a living testimony to the living God, We are people of God, We are invited to enter into the reign of God as we actively seek God's action in the world and welcome others to take part in the work of the church. Notice that I said we are called to invite. This does not mean that we force our views on others. And perhaps the reason that Jesus did not want his disciples to tell others that he is the Messiah is because Jesus wants others to come to their own conclusion as we show them the love, mercy, and forgiveness of Jesus Christ our Lord. The book of Acts shows numerous accounts of how the early church slowly learned and experienced God's reign through, in, and by conflict we are called to do the same as we listen to the Holy Spirit and follow the Spirit's lead. Through the Spirit of God, we will naturally begin to invite others to join us in the joy of daily receiving and entering into the beauty of who it is to be in relationship with God as we enter into the reign of God. In other words, we are not commanded to proclaim To go or even baptize others but rather we are invited by God to be used as vessels of transformation as we witness to the future that belongs not to us but only to Jesus Christ our Lord. May we be a church who even in our differences, speak truthfully to one another about Jesus' impact on our lives. May we be a community of faith that testifies to the life-giving God, even in the brokenness of our own personal confessions. May we, the living stones, be the foundation on which God builds God's church as we continually point people to the Messiah, not forcing them to see God, but inviting them to see God at work all around us. Let us pray. Ever present God, who is at our, the side of every creature in creation, renew our lives so that we may discern and do your will. What is good and acceptable and perfect. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus asked each of us, Who do you say that I am? Answer his question this day and all your days, in every word you speak and in every action you perform, may the God who restores, Christ who calls, and the Spirit who empowers, bless you and increase your joy and gladness now and forever. Go in peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.